You are listening to the Girls Gone Gravel podcast, a show for women who are chasing their everyday and epic adventures. This podcast is hosted by Christy Moan and me, Katherine Taylor, and powered by Feisty Media. Hey, everybody. I hope you had a great Thanksgiving. Between the my travels before Thanksgiving and then the Thanksgiving rush, Christy and I did not have a chance to get together and record our intro, but we have a really fun conversation today with Alexis Scarta that I think you're going to enjoy. And then I also wanted to let you know that we have some really fun merchandise that is geared at helping watch women's sports. So we've got some watch women's sports hoodies. We've got women's sports fan club hoodies. Um, we've got some really fun hats. Everything that you might need to show that you are a fan of women's sports. And right now, we are giving 10% of the profits to uh, Fast and Female, which is a Canadian nonprofit that helps girls develop in sport. So you want to head over to womensperformance.com slash fan club to check that out. And we'll also have a link in the show notes. Christy and I should be back together next week. We've got some really fun interviews coming up for December. I can't believe we're already into December. And I look forward to bringing those to you. But before that, enjoy this interview with Alexis Scarda. Let's talk sleep. My sleep routine has become so critical to my evenings. When I get good sleep, I make better choices, whether that's with food or exercise or simply my day-to-day activities. All the reading and listening I've done over the last year to help me with my sleep led me to Pillar, and it's been the quote-unquote game changer. The triple magnesium formula has improved both my REM sleep and my deep sleep, which were two areas that were very much in need of improvement. I've struggled with both those for years. But even better, since I've been taking Pillar, I've noticed that not only have those improved, I just feel better rested and more recovered. Pillar is offering our U.S. listeners a 15% discount for you to give it a try for yourself. Head over to thefeed.com slash pillar, that's P-I-L-L-A-R, and use the code GGG15 to start a journey to better sleep. Always recording in progress. Here we go. I I was going to see if Christy (laughs) would just start the podcast. (laughs) There you go. Yeah. We're back to that um, game. Catherine, I like your green glasses. Are those new? Mm-hmm. Well, so these are my readers, but now I'm starting to have to wear them. Like if ever I'm trying to look at something on the computer and I sat on my, uh, my blue ones. Oh, so I was at, um, what's that? Marshall's or t- one of those stores and you can buy like a four pack. So <laughs> yeah, weirdly, Marshall's. this is the only pair I can find from the four pack. Well, they're <laughs> stylish. <laughs> Thanks. If I had to wear glasses, I would just destroy them daily. I would have to buy new ones all the time. Yeah. I mean, that's the nice thing about readers. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, that voice, if you don't know it, that is Alexis Scarda. And uh, Alexis. (laughs) Hey, everybody. (laughs) We are super excited to have her on the podcast this week because you, you stay pretty under the radar, but you have really great results at pretty much everything. So, so I'm excited we get to kind of dig in and get to know you a little bit more this week. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, we always just like to start. Tell us the story. How did you end up where you are? How did you get on the bike? And how did you end up racing at a high level there? 
Uh, yeah, athletics has always been a huge part of my life. My dad was a marathon runner. And so I was really big into running growing up. And like ever since fourth grade, I knew that's just what I wanted to do. It's kind of where I found my place a little bit. And uh, in college, I ran all through high school and college, but I would get overuse injuries, which then I got into cycling, which is, I feel like, kind of a common story with running. <laughs> and I was lucky enough to have a coach that was really flexible and probably more about life experience than like um, results. And he allowed me to compete collegiately with the mountain bike team. And I found success pretty early on. Just I think the fitness was able to transfer over well. And the first nationals I went to for mountain biking, it was really muddy. And we ended up having to run a lot of it. <laughs> and I think just as like, yeah, well, this is something I can do. And uh, did better than I expected, which gave me confidence to continue doing it. When I graduated college, I knew I wanted to either pursue marathon running, uh, mountain biking, or triathlons. Um, I would do triathlons here and there and um, growing up and thought it was pretty fun. But uh, mountain biking was just the most natural path for me at the time. And I was glad. Uh, well, where, did really you, glad where did you grow up? Like, where was all this Yeah. At? I grew up in Boulder. I moved from Illinois when I was five. So basically uh, my upbringing was all in Boulder, which was a really competitive atmosphere. And uh, it kind of sets your bar high, you know, just the town you're in and who you're around. And um, I think that like growing up in that atmosphere really helps too. Did you go to CU? I went to Colorado Mesa University in Grand Junction. And that's how I ended up in here in Grand Junction. Actually, I've just been here since I graduated and I don't think I would have found mountain biking had I gone anywhere else. So I'm pretty grateful I ended up here. Uh, the trails are awesome. And um, yeah, that's why I've stayed. This is great mountain biking. Mm -hmm. Good weather. Did you, did you, when you were running, were you running trails or were you doing road or both? A uh, combination of both. Cross country is mostly like trails or grass. And then uh, I would do track as well. So that's all on the track. Yeah. I feel like if you would have stayed in Boulder, you definitely would have gone the triathlon or running yeah. around. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> I don't doubt it. I don't think I would have ever gotten into mountain biking. <laughs> well, and that's, I'm curious because like mountain biking, I'm not in an area where there's a ton of mountain biking. So it's not really? something I'm comfortable with. And I, I try, I, I try, you know, I go and I try and I get better at it, but then I'm away from trails for like two or three years. And it feels like I'm starting all over again. Did you mm -hmm. have any fear when you first started run like doing the trail mountain biking? Um, yeah, definitely. The whole technical aspect of biking was so unfamiliar because running that's not really a part of running. Um, so that took a bit of mental training, I think, just to learn how to train yourself to try things and not get frustrated, especially. I think a lot of us fall into um, tra technical training being a frustrating process. And um, I think what really helped me were um, the people I rode with, um, you know, certain people motivate you and push you. And like, especially, honestly, I had this friend in Boulder who I rode with and uh, I just wanted to keep up with him so badly that I just wasn't even thinking. I just went hard. And um, I think that pushed me to get get my skills higher than it like quickly I guess and then um of course Grand Junction is super technical so you just kind of automatically get those skills 
just by riding every day on the trails. And it took years, but I think that really set the bar high, just um, having to ride these trails and come out alive. <laughs> Sounds frightful. <laughs> <laughs> I. It's funny, the first couple of years of riding, I had like bruises and scrapes all over my legs. And I just thought that was normal, but... <laughs> It's kind of funny. <laughs> That's Normal, just, uh, and you kept going back for more. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, I was still young and dumb, I guess. <laughs> I was going to say, it's so much easier to get a mountain biking when you are young and you're like, oh my gosh, it's crazy how young kids are getting. Like in middle school and high school, their level of riding, their skills are so impressive. It's pretty cool. Yeah. It's definitely, I think, for like a sport if you master it young and you understand how to move your body and you don't have that fear then it's mm-hmm. so much easier as you get older yeah definitely <laughs> yeah I watched my little niece she has a mount, like a mountain bike she's seven but um mm-hmm. she just automatically knows how to move her body the right way when she does it that's I'm so like, cool I know and I think strider bikes are a big change for that yeah. too yeah so she never rode a uh, training wheel she did a strider mm-hmm. straight to biking and you can tell like the difference yeah. I think it's so funny that we did like strider bikes are newer. I was just like, thinking that. I know. Yeah. <laughs> it's such like, a simple Why did we ever have training right? wheels? They, like, didn't, they did... don't teach you how to bike. You're literally learning yeah. from square one once you take the training wheels off. <laughs> it's so funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can remember like trying to learn how to ride a bike without training wheels. Oh, I remember it. I was kind of older too. I think I was like seven or eight because my parents yeah, were, were divorced like during the younger years. And so I just was kind of pushed aside for a while. So yeah, I remember being angry at my bike. <laughs> yeah. I do remember my my dad made me take the training wheels off after at one point, like I had gone over, I don't know how I went over with training wheels, but like mm-hmm. one side no longer really hit the ground. So it was like one training like, wheel on one side and one like barely. And he was like, this isn't even doing anything for you anymore. Like we have to take these off. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're so silly. That's funny. <laughs> Well, um, your dad being a runner, did you go to lots, like lots of races and stuff with him and, uh, not so yeah, actually, um, I remember being really little and he would take us to the track and we'd play in the sand pits mm. while he would run around. So I was definitely in that like, um, environment at a very young age. I remember even him on the treadmill running and I would just run circles in the basement while he would run on the treadmill. And I just remember thinking he was like the strongest person ever. And I think having that influence also just in the back of my head pushed me into wanting to get into athletics also. That's awesome. Yeah. It yeah. was definitely fun having that role model. Did you, you said you were on the college team there? Yeah. Was it like a club team or was it a co- like a yeah, we were a varsity program, and at the time it was just a women's program, which eventually grew into yeah. a men's and women's program, a D2. And then did you just automatically go to, I'm going to try to do the elite or the pro rider thing, or what was your oh, gosh, riding, It's funny, riding and running is just so different, the way it's like laid out and how it's organized. I think collegiate racing is, running is so different than the professional level. Whereas I think biking, it just kind of intermixes a little more. Mm. Like you can be a professional cyclist, actually a lot of them are, and be on the collegiate teams. Whereas that's just kind of not how it is with running. Oh, that's interesting. um, Yeah, so that would have been something I would have pursued after college, but it's just annoying. Uh, Just the amount of overuse injuries I'd get would be like once every two years and I'd be out for six to eight months. And so it'd be like just starting over and 
um, it's, I felt like I could find more success with cycling. Well, well you have. Thank you. <laughs> it's been a journey though. Well, yeah. talk about that. Kind of talk about that journey to get from like, as you've moved in as a professional cyclist, like yeah, you've taken from making that commitment to like what you finished second in the Grand Prix this year. Yeah. And were you second last year too? Or third? No, I, um, got COVID during a couple races. And so the overall was a little bit different, but I, I was still, I was fifth though. Okay. I, I knew you were up there. So yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, it's kind of funny coming out of college into a per- trying to pursue professional mountain biking because you are on these college teams and you see professional riders and you think, oh, there's so much opportunity and I'm excited. And you're kind of confident and cocky when you're young and you're just like, oh, I'm going to be the best cyclist. And you get out there and there's like, there's really not a lot of support available and people won't give you the time of day until you've obviously made it. And it's hard to make it without the support. So it's this like balance of trying to figure it when you're, I should say like when you're over 23 years old, you miss the U23, um, category at that time I was like I just had missed it so I'm starting out as like in the professional field with no one knew who I was I didn't have any connections and I rode for my bike shop for years and I substitute taught full-time and um, so trying to figure out the balance of working and riding and training and uh, just that whole transition from being a student to the real world where no one really cares what you're doing, but yourself. And so finding that motivation and it's just like, it's a, it was just a lot to take on and it took years, I think, to just build and not give up and um, just keep trying. (laughs) And I had, you know, a group of people who believed in me and helped me. And that was the world, you know, all those little things, the, the support really helps. Um, but yeah, you got to want it and you got to keep trying even when you don't want it. <laughs> if that makes sense. <laughs> no, it makes total sense. As a substitute teacher, I mean, I was thinking about that. Like, that's probably a fairly decent blend for a job and trying to be a professional cyclist. It was uh, one of those energy draining jobs. Yeah, I can see that. Being a substitute teacher, the kids are just crazy. It's like holiday for them. And uh, trying to maintain control all day is like, it's funny how it just drains you. And so get done with that and then try and train. And that was kind of frustrating. And um, so I eventually came to the conclusion I would need to go to part-time. And so part-time really helped with that situation. Um, Give you more flexibility and an opportunity to recover. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's it's funny how much of a toll like that balance takes on you if it's not balanced. Like I was losing races. I got slower the first couple of years after college. I think just the stress of becoming an adult and trying to figure out this whole new world that I didn't really feel like I belonged in, but really wanted to be good instantly, which, you know, you've got to enjoy the process. So I was still learning all of that, too. Um, and uh so yeah, it took a couple of years of transitioning to really start improving. Yeah, that's interesting because like, I think there's a lot coming out now about how women kind of that post-college, like you're still really like developing like puberty, you know, mm-hmm. like, and, and just how there is kind of like, you might have really great performances kind of early, 
like when you're younger and then you get a dip and the people that can stick with it and have good coaching and good support actually see better results later on when it's kind of like, it's okay to not succeed for a little while because you're still like, everything's still developing in your body. You're figuring out like all the stress of being an adult, all those things. Yeah, no, that makes total sense. And I see that kind of in the running world too. I think that little lull maybe, and I think kind of weeds out some people. And I think I have, I always say sticking with something is the best thing you can do to improve. Hmm. Did yeah. you have a, a, a coach helping you too at that time or were you doing um, at the time? My boyfriend and fiance, my current fiance is, uh, was coaching me. <laughs> so that was probably another stressor actually for us trying to figure out the balance with relationships and coaching and just the whole cycling world. Um, but he was huge into supporting me and coaching me at the time. And I eventually we realized that it would be better for me to kind of have something a little bit further away. You know, when you're too close to somebody, it interferes. I think sometimes I think it maybe works for some people, but for us, I think it was better to just get some outside coaching support and I ended up working with Allison Dunlap and she's my current coach as well, but um, oh, cool. she's been great. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Well, how did you, did you start riding gravel with the Grand Prix or how did you end yes. up riding gravel? <laughs> so what was it about the Grand Prix that you were like, I want to try this? Yeah, I think just all of the excitement and energy around it. And there were a lot of events that I honestly, it's kind of been on the back of my head and, and in a way I didn't necessarily want to do it right away. I think the long, long distances I was holding out on, but I think that this series really um, sped up that desire to do those races. Uh, Leadville obviously is a big one. Um, still struggling with the distances like Unbound, <laughs> to be honest. Um, but I, I enjoy that like four to five hour range. Um, that's it's funny because that's still a long time on the bike. It's like... well, you're, it's funny how your perception changes because four yeah. to five hours used to seem like too long. And yeah. now because we have to do like eight to 12 hour races, now that seems to be more of a sweet spot. <laughs> but um, because I, yeah, my heart was in cross country racing, which is like an hour and a half ish long distance and mountain biking. And um, I think it's just hard to find like opportunities in it right now if you're not up and coming and young and going for the Olympics. So this was definitely a really good domestic series to get into. Yeah. And I enjoy it. Yeah. It was interesting because that was one of the conversations we had. We had Abby Mickey on last week and we were talking about like pro cycling in Europe mm-hmm. um, quite a lot. But we were talking about the pipeline and how uniquely the Grand Prix is creating opportunities, right? Because there aren't a lot of opportunities in other types of cycling, especially in the U.S. Mm-hmm. To, to go anywhere. Um, yeah, unless, I'm like so- you said, you're going to the Olympics. Yeah, no, I'm definitely grateful for this series. Like it's something that I can do and. In- um, continue to improve in. It's providing uh, opportunities for a lot of domestic racers because it's a lot harder for us as a in the U.S. to get to those European races because just far away. And so that travel um, hurdle kind of prevents, it, it, I mean, it just prevents opportunities, I think. Like, it's hard to get that experience because you have to be out there racing a bunch to understand how to race um, and how to be successful and get that experience. But, you know, again, it's kind of that 
situation where you don't have the support to get out there and you don't have the support to get out there because you don't have the experience when you're out there and um yeah well oh go ahead Catherine sorry well I was just saying the women that are at the top are doing they just have a lot of attention on them rightly so right but like Mm -hmm. it's hard to get the attention um oh yeah no totally and um and they've been working hard for a while and getting all that experience out there as well. But that's the the case with the whole U23 thing as well. Like if you get into it young, uh, and I'm not saying it's easy to get into it young because, you know, once um, you have to be seen somehow, like I help out with the high school program, my fiance is a coach and just to see um, a lot of those kids uh, are really interested in pursuing that sort of racing, but it's really hard for them to get recognized. Hmm. Um, but once you're kind of there, then you're there, then if that makes sense. Yeah. It comes with it. If you get, yeah, 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 that makes sense. It's, I'm, I'm just going to be really curious to see as the Grand Prix just progresses, like what it actually does for the domestic cycling, you know, like, um, I think one of, I don't know if it's a concern, but something that I've been trying to pay attention to is like how many international riders come over to participate and not Mm -hmm. in a weird way, wanting to protect the Grand Prix a little bit um, for this, you know, this side of the country from the perspective of we're, you know, we've, we've got a little bit more development and growing that we need to be doing and, and trying to encourage that and not have it be overshadowed by you know, European writers and whatnot. And I'm not like, I'm not trying to take anything away from what they're doing. It's just like this interesting perspective of watching it and seeing some of that interest starting to come over. I'm like, uh, we're, we're not ready for you yet. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm going to be interested to see what happens with this in the future as well. Cause yeah, it's probably hard to come out here and do all these huge races. So, mm-hmm. uh, it's gotta be worth it for them, which right. This, but you're right. The series is getting to the point where it's big enough to be worth it. So yeah, it's like the shoes starting to kind of go on the other foot where they come yeah. over here. It's, mm-hmm. you know, it's like you going there. So it's just, but I'm also just curious because I think, I mean, you just said it like you're, it's crazy seeing what the kids are doing on mountain bikes now. Like we're truly like the, that cycling is growing in the U S and you're just seeing that between on, in the off-road space. Yeah. Uh, and that means, you know, we've got up and coming riders that you're just going to see get faster because um, they're starting younger and getting more experience younger. So know, yeah. it'll be, it's going to be interesting to watch. Yeah, we've got some young ones like interested in the Grand Prix already. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, that's a lot to take on. <laughs> a lot of volume. <laughs> yeah. As a mom, I'm like, no, not yeah I know it's kind of it's it's a lot for someone who's still developing or you know the (laughs) to get that base to be able to handle all that it's I don't know yeah (laughs) it's gonna be interesting to watch for sure although they Um, do recover really fast they do recover fast I can do another race this weekend (laughs) yeah no kidding (laughs) I did a I did an 18 mile trail run on the AZT Thursday Oh, it was, it was incredible. And I, you know, I felt really great. And I was so like, I felt really great that whole day. And like the next day I was, "Ah, I felt pretty good. And then like the, I did that Thursday, Friday, I was, I felt pretty good. And then Saturday, like 
exhausted and like ready to eat all the food. And I was like, this mm. is seriously taking me this long to recover. Yes. <laughs> no, stuff like that. I, I mean, it takes me forever to get, and obviously for anyone to recover from unbound, it's like a month and a half before I'm like hundred percent back to being normal. Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 Having the legs back. If you're looking for a bag to power your epic adventures, look no further than women-led brand Fierce Hazel. I love their bags and that they are all functional, which means they're lightweight, durable, and rainproof, which is very important. They are sustainable. All are made of upcycled or recycled or responsibly sourced materials. And they're made in California with unique designs. Some of the bags that I'm loving are their handlebar and saddle bags from their True Grit line that make it easy to carry everything and they're very lightweight. Uh, and their Echelon pouches. I have had so many Ziploc bags shoved into things everywhere and these pouches just make it really easy to carry everything um, in one seamless pouch. You can go over to fiercehazel.com slash discount slash girls gone gravel and use the code girls gone gravel to get 30% off your purchase at checkout. Um, have you, have you figured out the nutrition doing unbound? I think that that's an ongoing, um, struggle or process for everyone. Even when you have it dialed in, like for these kinds of races, it's just hard, <laughs> but, um, I'm still working on that. I think trying to figure out for the longer races, what works on the stomach. Cause no matter what you take in, like the last quarter of the race, it's hard to get in anything. You just don't want to eat anymore. Mm -hmm. And then you just don't have the energy because you're not eating enough calories. And so I think uh, what I'm going to be working on this off season is training my gut a little more uh, during training rides and trying to get it used to eating when I don't want to eat. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, that's one thing I would really like to improve on is the last quarter of the race. I seem to um, slow down. Uh, and so I'm going to try and gear my training towards being strong during that last part portion of the race. Makes yeah. sense. Yeah. I'm curious what you think it takes. Cause you've been very consistent from what I've yeah. seen in your results. Um, and you had a second place finish, a fifth place finish, you know, like if somebody's looking at something like this, what does it take to win an event <laughs> like this? It takes all the little details. <laughs> I think um, it's funny because I got a lot of second places this year and it was to someone different, basically, you know, it was usually Sophia in the beginning and then towards the end, it was someone different every race. And I think uh, some of it is who's feeling good that day. It's just sometimes you have a magical day and everything comes together and it's awesome. Um, and I think for me, it's just yeah, looking at all the little details when it, whether it's like nutrition on and off the bike. Uh, uh, I think off season is huge. Um, putting in the right training in the off season to prepare for like, you know, the whole entire season, which is what nine months long, uh, not a long off season. <laughs> yeah. And just, yeah. Like I keep saying, I guess the balance, just keeping everything well balanced. Um, yeah, these races are interesting. You never know what's going to happen because they're so long. <laughs> so, that, yeah, being consistent, I think, um, just keeping it together for me. I think that's how I'm able to 
be consistent is like just during the race, letting whatever happens happens and just focus on my race and what I need to do to, to do my best. I think that was, that really helps me. You can see that you're good at that. Like, no, thanks. You approach, I mean, you're just so level. Like, yeah, I think at least on the outside, we're not seeing like these swings of emotion. It's like, you're there to do the work and to do the job and you know what you need to do and you kind of stick to your plan and you do it. It's, it's, it's just kind of fun to watch you race because it's like, you're just somebody that you never count out. Mm. Uh, it, I kind of felt the same, the same way about Rose Grant of just, oh, like, yeah, totally. just, just, just don't count Rose out ever. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> she knows what she's doing and she's sticking to her plan. She doesn't care yes. what you're doing. She's, she's got it down for what she's going to do. And you have a lot of the same similarities that, that, that at least from the, from the outside looking in that I see as you approaching races that it's like, Alexa knows what she's doing. Just well, I appreciate out. that because that's actually something I've been working on too is um, not so much the emotions, but I get excited and mm-hmm. uh, I like to go out really hard. And um, my old method was basically go super hard for the first half and kind of break everyone <laughs> and then be enough ahead that they can't catch you back. And that's kind of like that four hour range, three to four hour range, you can get away with that but it was not a good method for these long races. I was just like kind of falling apart and I realized I, break okay, <laughs> I should not be taking control this early on in a race. And so my new like tactics have been um, to follow people and that like helps oh. me stay in control. <laughs> like sometimes like, oh, I need to go, <laughs> but I'm like, okay, no, it's fine. We're okay. You don't need to go right now. <laughs> so I've been practicing holding back in the first half well there you go yeah (laughs) it's working (laughs) getting better which one um like which of the events are your favorites um I really like Leadville 100 just because I do enjoy altitude racing and all the climbing it's amazing I love I actually just love Leadville um but and I don't feel like I've done my best there yet. So I feel like I still have some work to do with that course, which is kind yeah. of just fun. Um, and then, I don't know, I kind of like Schwalmigan is just a nice, refreshing change up in the Lifetime Series. I think it's so different from all the other events that I kind of enjoy just going hard. And uh, that it's a very stressful style of racing because <laughs> everybody's in a pack together in grassy fields and it's sketchy but it's just interesting um what crusher i would think you would do well there i know i uh unfortunately i think just after unbound i hadn't recovered yet and mm-hmm. kind of went into that week wrong i don't think i tapered properly i felt like i needed to open my legs up more and so i did a bunch of intervals and like i think that made it worse mm. so the day of the race um zone I, I don't know if you're familiar with like the different zones of training zone mm-hmm two is like easy endurance ride pace you can go for hours like eight hour long races going zone two felt super hard and that's like this is a very bad sign and so I just kind of had stale legs um but I'm hoping next year I can uh pull something out for that one because I was really looking forward to it and hoping to do something there but (laughs) just right off the bat sometimes you just know it's not going to be a good day yeah 
this is going to be a completion day, not a competition. Com yeah. Not competing, completing. Dang it, and it's going to be a long one. <laughs> fake it and Crusher. That is just a brutal day. God. Yeah, it is. Crusher is just brutal. That last climb. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> that is a big old fuck you. I'm sorry. That is so sweet. <laughs> I know. selling this race to everybody listening. <laughs> Like, I'm glad I pre-wrote that section. Otherwise, that would have been a huge surprise. <laughs> right. And just like, what is this? Yeah. It's, yeah. There's no sprint finishes at Crusher. <laughs> <laughs> the sprinting is slow motion for the sure. <laughs> <laughs> that would be, it would actually be funny to get that on film. Like a neck and neck race. Yeah. Um, it would probably totally look like a slow motion video mm -hmm. at the end. Just like yeah. head down, like... <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I gotta say that, uh, going to the, I mean, Catherine wasn't there, so, wasn't there, but I know what um, you're talking about the rave. Oh, <laughs> um, and this is not just me. This was like so many people wanted more Scarda. Um, oh, thanks. <laughs> no, it was you know, that. <laughs> incredible. It was so fun. I mean, we had, that was some great music. Thank you like so top much. Notch. Um, oh, appreciate but it. everybody, like all of the women that I talked to, they were just like, we need Scarta to play more. You know, Alexis, you did such, it was fantastic. Wow. Uh, Thank you so much for saying that. Like that whole week leading up to it, I was pretty stressed out. Just I think just with racing and then just doing something I've never done before with this. And it was not ready at all. And so I was just like staying, <laughs> I was staying up really late. <laughs> It's like my priorities are totally straight. I'm working on this at <laughs> two in the morning. Like so four tell days everybody before. what you did. Yeah, tell so, people what like, you're talking maybe, about. Maybe people don't know exactly what Alexis Scarta did at the rave after racing Big Sugar. Like literally, it wasn't, like, it wasn't a stress. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. I, I guess I basically um I enjoy uh, producing electronic music, and I've been putting stuff out like once in a while this season and I think um when they started putting together this rave they were looking for other people to come perform or do stuff and so they contacted me and asked if I was interested in maybe doing a little set before Taylor Finney and so I went on for 20 minutes and played some of my original music um but like two weeks leading up to it just you know things weren't complete I was still writing the music like two days before it and um yeah, I would have liked to do more of the performing side of it instead of just the DJ side of it, but there just wasn't enough time. And so I was like, oh, what is this going to look like? <laughs> and um, yeah, you, it was it was great. But I mean, I'm so yeah, thank you for saying that. That means a lot. <laughs> very, very well received. So and, uh, and are you on Spotify? Uh, no, I'm not right now, but I, I'm planning on maybe putting some stuff out there, putting okay. the set out there for there isn't an artist on Spotify called Alexis Scarda, so I thought maybe it was you. What? Um, there that might be <laughs> my dad. <laughs> he plays music, and um, so he plays guitar and sings, and uh, he likes to record music, and so I uh did some harmonies with him. <laughs> ah, nice. Um, and played guitar, and he's got like Christmas CDs, you know, family stuff, and, and it's, so that, that musical might be that athletic family. Yeah, I he just was definitely, that... yeah, big role model. My mom plays piano and um, put us through 
uh, violin at a young age, which was kind of a cool introduction when you're young. Yeah, violin is not easy to play either. It's so. a very tough instrument. Very <laughs> so tough. I, I'm glad I started when I was young to get that motor skill, but um, I never focused on it enough to get really good at it. Yeah. So when I was young, I wasn't as interested as in it as I would have been now, which I think well, everyone looks back and says things like that, but I begged to play violin. Oh, really? Begged and begged and begged and begged. And so that my parents finally let me. And like within like two months, I hated it. And <laughs> I think I'm over. It's not a satisfying so instrument. <laughs> well, and my mom's like, sorry, you wanted to do this. Oh no. Yeah. yeah. So the they with the, our first concert that we have, they go. And afterwards, my mom's like, okay, you can quit. And I was like, well, okay. And, and, That's but hilarious. it was because it was because this was stupid. Me, my bow was not going the same direction as everybody else's. And they could tell, I didn't know the music and I was just up there faking it. <laughs> my bow is going, make it. Up, you know, like going down when everybody else's is going up. Like, yeah, they're wrong. <laughs> I got so busted. She's like, yeah, if you're not going to play, we're going to take this thing back. So I was like, and then I was like, but yeah. Um, yeah. It's one of those instruments that it takes years to really yeah, it does. feel the benefits of the instrument. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Know. But I, I mean, this has got to be a case for a non-endemic sponsor. You got to find somebody that's like <laughs> in the music industry to come on and sponsor you at bike races and have a whole Scardus, you know, playlist going because it'd be so fun and so unique and different that I think it'd be really cool to, 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 you know, add, add a piece of that to the, to the scene, to the bike scene. So. Yeah. Thank you. I do enjoy that. It's kind of different from what people are doing. And um, yeah, if I find opportunities, I'll definitely keep going. I enjoy it a lot. So it's kind of fun having a purpose with it. Yeah. Well, I remember I heard you on Payson's podcast and then oh, okay. and I was like, oh my gosh, this is really good. Oh, thanks. <laughs> Appreciate it. It was fun. Like I, everybody obviously was there to let their hair down too. So I think it was just like, well, and that was the other thing too, coming up with the set list. I'm like, are people going to be tired from racing and just like standing there? But people were like psyched. So I, <laughs> my set started out super slow and like built up because I wasn't sure I don't think Taylor was either like what mood people were going to be in. And I'm like, man, I should have just done like super fast music the whole time, <laughs> but I, yeah. it was cool I to think, see everyone had so much energy. <laughs> yeah. I think, well, that was kind of the feed. Like last year when we wrapped up big sugar, there was definitely the feed at the bike rack of like, everybody was done. Like not just the, I mean, I mean, other athletes, of course, people had some other races and whatnot, but it was kind of, the, it was basically the end of the season for a lot of people and in, including the events team. Like we were all like, mm, everyone wants to let their hair down. <laughs> yeah. 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 That vibe well, was definitely there last year. And I think we just like captured that and tried yeah. to level it up, which did it leveled up. <laughs> that party was insane. <laughs> oh my gosh. That was crazy. So, yeah. It was crazy. <clears throat> it was fun. Hair was let down. Yes. Oh yeah. Yeah. I think that's what everybody. Yeah. I don't think that anyone was let down on that night. (laughs) That was super. All right. So do you think that's going to happen again next year? (laughs) Will it happen again next year? Yeah. Um, Yeah. Cool. Yep. If you want to party, you got to make, you got to sign up for big sugar when it opens. (laughs) You Mm. just plan your end of the season party now. 
Yeah. Well, yeah. you can come to the party even if you didn't race. So Bentonville's a little out of the way if you don't live there, though. I guess that's true. It's worth it. And we need, you need more women racing. Yeah, race. we do. Okay. We do. Yeah. We're working on that too. So, um, yeah, I mean, that was the result. I think that he, that's behind the scenes. We'll talk about that in another podcast. So anyway. <laughs> cool. Well, what, uh, you've got the Grand Prix on your plate for next year. Is there anything else that you're looking yeah, at? Yeah, I would definitely like to hit up, um, some mountain bike races like Whiskey 50. Um, hopefully, uh, Downeyville would be awesome mm-hmm. going on. Um, and yeah, just whatever works out in the schedule kind of have to see what lines up and how it lines up and kind of go from there and hopefully hit up some world championships would be cool for gravel and mountain. Love it. Yeah. yeah. It's going to be a crazy year of cycling next year. With the it's going to be fun. Yeah. All the things happening. Yeah. Well, Alexis, where can people find you if they don't already? Uh, Instagram is the best place right now at Alexis Scarda is the tag just my name easy <laughs> yeah easy to and find. hopefully on spotify soon yeah yep yeah, i'll work on it <laughs> you've got off season now You're yeah it's, uh, yeah you've got plenty, plenty of time, of time. <laughs> <laughs> yes um yeah i'll i'll try and do something with that <laughs> well thanks so much for joining us today oh yeah this was great thanks thanks again for having me You have been listening to the Girls Gone Gravel podcast. This podcast is edited and produced by the team at Live Feisty Media. If you've enjoyed the show, please leave us a rating. It really helps other women find the podcast. And be sure to follow us at Girls Gone Gravel on Instagram or Facebook.